Tired of ads crashing your comedy podcast party? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts, included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or visit amazon.com slash comedy ad free. That's amazon.com slash comedy ad free. And catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. And here's your prescription. I know just the pharmacy to get this filled. Who are you? A pharmacy benefit manager. A middleman your insurer uses to decide which medicines you can get, what you pay, and sometimes even which pharmacy you should go to. Why can't I go to a pharmacy in my neighborhood? Because I make more money when you go to a pharmacy I own. <laughs> no one should stand between you and your medicine. Visit phrma.org slash middleman to learn more. Paid for by Pharma. Warning, this podcast contains conspiracy, paranormal, and true crime cases. The nature of these cases may be gory, unsettling, or vulgar. Please be advised. Yo, 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 and welcome back to Creeps and Crimes Podcast. I'm Taylor. And I'm Morgan, and this is episode 46. 46, y'all. We really hope you guys liked our little surprise episode that we threw in on Monday of this week. And if you haven't had a chance to check it out, please do so because those stories are freaking insane. Yes, that creepy account was probably one of my most favorite creepy accounts that we have done yet. Yeah, by far. That was just... Chilling to first say off, the least. Erica's story still has me tripping. Yeah, like no joke. Yeah, I think it crazy. has me haunted actually. As a matter of fact, <laughs> I think I've been seeing some shit. Oh no, 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 baby. Anyway, guys, usual stuff. Follow us on Instagram at Creeps and Crimes Podcast, Twitter at Creeps underscore Crimes, and TikTok at Creeps and Crimes. Mm-hmm. And then you guys can also hop onto our website, which is creepsandcrimes.com, to submit story suggestions, or if you have a creepy count of your own, you can submit it through the portal online, or you can hop onto our email, which is just creepsandcrimespodcast at gmail.com to send that in. And if you guys love that last creepy account on Monday as much as we did, you know to send that ish in, please. Now let's get down to the serious business. We need to have a little talk with you guys (laughs) for the longest time. Taylor and I have thought that we have only had 16,000 downloads. For the longest time. Like, we were like, oh my gosh, we just hit 10K. We just hit 15K. We're almost at 20. Like, we're almost there. Party, party, party. Party on. No. No, ma'am. You bitches. (laughs) None of you pull us down from the cloud because we decide to get on our Apple Connect our Apple Connect. And on Apple Podcasts alone, you little shitheads, we have 27,000 streams. Are you guys kidding me? So that means 10,000 episode listeners or of y'all have not pulled us from the cloud. Just click subscribe and pull it down from your FN cloud. I'll fight you. Yes, please. And And that was on Apple Podcasts alone. And then, hey. Spotify, you guys are also, we have about 500 active listeners on there. Those are people that come back every single week to hear us. And only 200 of y'all are following us. How rude. How rude. How rude. Anyway, (laughs) we don't actually mean to yell at you guys. But also, if you're not pulling us down from the cloud, kill you. (laughs) That's a threat. Conditional threat. Conditional threat. That is... My fingers were crossed, and I didn't actually mean it. But anyway, <laughs> but you guys know of. the sitch. Pull and, us down, please. And if all of you guys just left us one rating or a review, I mean, we would probably be on Apple's top charts right now. Yeah. So you guys are really holding us back. I mean, honestly, God. <laughs> Ooh, our fists are pumping. We're in, in this corner. They're like, oh, my God, we literally Team are here. creep. Up against <laughs> bum, bum, bum. the creeps and bum, crimes bum, bum. listeners that don't pull it down from the cloud. <laughs> but and guys, go. <laughs> I will say, I will say, after um, two episodes of screaming in your ear to get us some reviews on there, it worked. You guys came through. And guys, um, I call Morgan whenever like a few of them come through, which I'm, I'm going to hop on here really quickly and just give a little shout out to the people that have, um, that we have since we screamed at you guys the last few weeks um we had on last thursday courtney hamilton 
Girl, you've been with us since day one, too, by the way. And she's always on our lives. She kills it every time. Thank you so much. She left us an amazing review. It's a five-star review um, that says, best podcast ever. Honestly, the best podcast ever. This podcast started an addiction for me on all things creepy and crimey. A great combination of good laughs and good scares. One episode isn't enough each week. Sorry, you know I can't read, guys. Um, Please go listen. You won't regret it. Courtney, thank you. That one made me cry. Courtney really, is really not hard. in the boxing ring with me right now. No, just so Co- you guys. Courtney's know. in our corner. All right, all right. And then next we have one from. You want to read this one? Yes, this one's from Macy Ely. Um, she it's a five star rating, and she says they spoil us. That's the title, and she says living for the bonus episodes, and that was posted on Monday. Thank you, Macy. And I actually think she also left us another one. Yeah, and it's on our Apple portal, but it's not displayed for everybody right now right yeah so we can't pull it up and then there but it was really really so macy ely you're also you're wiping the sweat off me in the corner you're not in the ring with me you're just you know hype me up ready to fight everyone else (laughs) and then from august 1st we have one from one of our sorority sisters taylor and she uh, left us a five-star rating that says great duo i just started listening to this podcast and i am already hooked morgan and taylor do a great job at weaving through lighthearted moments together to to tackling hard topics, all while giving respect to the victims in their cases. Can't wait for next week's episode. And Taylor, you're giving me that water bottle, girl. You're on our side. <laughs> she, she's over here behind us. She's rubbing the shoulders. Everything's good. Yeah. Everybody else, you can catch these hands. Up. Everyone else, you're on the other side of that effing box ring. But I will say, like, so whenever we got all these that came through, I'm, like, sitting there. So, okay, Morgan's sending me Snapchats of her with dogs in the car. And I'm talking. probably singing, yeah, actually. Singing. I'm probably, like, screaming, singing. And I, I'm, like, responding. I'm, like... I actually think the... Wait, the best part about this is we sent this at the same exact time. At the time. same exact time. So I received yours as so I was I'm sitting So I'm, like, mine. hyping up myself, like, laughing my ass off. And at the same time, Taylor <laughs> is sending me this. Go ahead. I'm, like... <laughs> You know, I'm just sitting here and I'm reading these reviews and I just cannot stop crying. They were so nice and I just cannot believe that people would take the time out of their day to listen to us and actually like come back to listen again. And Morgan's like, wait, hold on. I literally, guys, you don't understand. I'm still like jamming out in the car and I'm like, oh, she already, she already Snapchat me back that quick. I'm like, she must be in the same mood I am. I open that shit up and it's Taylor's. I could just tell by her face. I'm like, oh shit. Music down. Volume on the phone. <laughs> up my lips like and i snap back i'm like wait what (laughs) (laughs) it was ridiculous yeah two totally different vibes going on at that moment in time it was crazy yes but anyways we really do i know we give you guys a hard time but because the other billion of y'all not really billion but we wish it was billion you guys are kind of holding this back right now because i'm i got really kind of heated about some people that were on the top charts this week i'm not gonna say any names but they were on there and it was enough to make <laughs> it was enough to make me freak out and be like, "All right, we're changing the logo." Yeah. <laughs> so be on the lookout for that in season two. And guys, season two, we have some crazy shit lined up for you guys. Yeah. This is an ongoing conversation that we've been having every single day, and no, you guys don't understand ongoing conversation. Ongoing conversation means I could look at my phone. 28 FaceTime calls a day, each averaging 25 minutes. Not to mention the amount of time that we've sent in person, planning out things for season two, gone to bars to talk about it, and yeah. just, you know, it's a bunch of craziness. You guys, we we work really hard for you guys because we want you guys to love it, and the the response that we get from you motivates us even more to bring better and bigger things to the table in season two which will be launching on October 1st. So, with that said, what are you drinking? <laughs> I um, am still kind of feeling our bar yeah, I, meeting from yeah. yesterday. Uh, we hit up the corner lounge in um, downtown Knoxville, like the Broadway area. And first off, Aperol Spritz, 10 out of 10. Shots, owner, everybody, amazing. Um, We had a great time. We tried some new seltzers that we'll talk to you guys in a different episode about. And I'm drinking water. (laughs) What are you drinking? I am also drinking water because I was spinning 
until about noon today. Taylor's like, <laughs> she had texted me a few things in the morning and she knows, I've, we've told you guys this before, she knows that when I text back to not expect a call for about 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah, screw that. That's like a two hour limit. Yeah. It's just, you're like, both just, in your court at that point. Yeah, like she'll know I'm up, but like she won't call me. She always waits for my morning call because <laughs> it takes me like a hot minute. I got to let the dog, I got to feed the dog, I got to... Gotta go get to yourself bathroom. out of the bed. I gotta go get a coffee. I hope I don't go back to bed and fall back asleep. <laughs> like, there's so much shit going on. So, anyway, she texted me this morning and she was like, said something. She's like, call me. Yeah, I was like, yeah. Or I think I just answered. I was like, yeah, super hungover. Like, I'll, I'll call in a yeah. bed or something. Maybe three hours goes by. I get a text. Hey, don't forget to call. <laughs> I'm like, oh, shit. I immediately called. She's like, hey. <laughs> She's like, hey, guess what I'm doing? I'm doing this, this, this. And my eyes are black with makeup underneath. I'm like, hey, I'm just trying to finish my coffee. And guys, three <laughs> hours later was me in her. This phone call that she's talking about went on at 945 in the morning. So I've been up and blowing her shit up since about seven. Yeah. <laughs> We had some fun shit going on this morning. Some really fun shit going on this morning. Yeah, so super exciting. She woke up to some good news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You ready to get on with the episode? I think we've teased them enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you're driving, throw that shit on cruise control. If you got a glass, pour that shit up. And let's get creepy. Okay, Morgan. What do you have for us today? Well, Taylor... Today, we are going to be diving into one of Italy's most haunted locations. Ooh, Italy. Italy. So we should be drinking some wine right now, but we're not. (laughs) Anyway, um, this story is about Poveglia Island. Before I start, I'm going to list my sources. It is wikipedia.org, mentalfloss.com, time.com, newyorkpost.com, Escape.com.au, HuffingtonPost.com, TheMagicCafe.com, and Reddit.com. Paveglia Island is a small landmass off Venice, Italy. It is divided into two separate parts by a small canal that runs straight through the island. The island has a long, dark history dating back to 421 AD when a group of people fled there to escape a barbarian invasion. Since that moment, the island's population began to grow steadily until 1379, when Venice was under attack from the Genoan fleet. During this threat, the people of Paveglia were moved to another island in the Venetian lagoon. For the next 200 years, the island remained uninhabited. Italian chief of state offered the island to the monks of Mount Corona in 1527, but they declined the offer. From 1645, the island's sole purpose was protection from invaders, so the government built five octagonal forts to protect and control the entrances. The forts were all used as a checkpoint for all goods and services, as well as patrol to keep information on the people coming in and out of Venice by ship. Currently, over 400 years later, one of those octagonal forts still remain. In 1793, When two ships were stopped at the island, government officials noticed that there were several cases of the plague on board. The island was quickly transformed into a temporary confinement station for those that were diseased by the plague. The island was sealed off, and if you caught the plague in the surrounding area, you were drug against your will to Paveglia Island. And this is actually the origin of the word quarantine, Venice coined the term quarantine, which was derived from the duration for those that showed symptoms and they were required to stay on the island before they can be on their way, which was 40 days, giving it the name Quaranta Giorni. I probably butchered that. I don't know anything about Italian, but that is the English, (laughs) Morgan's English translation. Morgan's English. Sorry, Marley. Sorry, Marley. (laughs) But this whole 40-day thing wasn't legit because people with the plague who didn't have treatment didn't live that long. Once there, people lived out the rest of their lives until they died with no food, no water, and no treatment. Oh my god! It became quickly overrun with the dead or the dying, and they were shoveled into grave pits and set on fire. Oh my god. The island, already reeking of death, continued on this way for any upcoming epidemic. Barely alive bodies were dumped onto the island, and officials would set fire to these mass graves. 
Legend says that the soil of the island is over 50% human decomposition. And the spirits that were left there inhumanely to die, well, they are fucking pissed. Over 160,000 victims of the plague were burned in mass graves known as the plague pits. Mm. 160,000 ghost people. (laughs) Jesus. Cheese and crust. Cheese and crust. And rice. <laughs> in 1922, the existing buildings on the islands were turned into a nursing home. I'm using that with quotations and long-term care facility, which was a giant cover-up for an insane asylum. Oh my god! We know that mental illness was not taken seriously or studied enough back then, so this led to horrible torture for victims that were sent to the asylum on the island. The hospital was filled with anybody who even showed even the slightest bit of sickness, mental and physical. So we were there. So basically, you sneezed or you coughed and you went to Poveglia. And you're there for sure. And you're getting lobotomies. Jesus. Cheese and crust. Cheese and crust. (laughs) Um, The residents of the hospital were on the other end of the brutal experiments one strange doctor was conducting. Lobotomies. The worst of the worst. He was using hammers and chisels and like different oh torture God. tactics on these people who could just be physically sick, just and, have an illness. And are the strange doctors the one that have like the pointy beaks? Yes. Yeah, so at this time, because they believe that the air on the island still held the plague because oh they burnt all those bodies, yeah. that all the doctors wore the the bird, the plague mask. They wore yeah. the long beak nose and the big buggy Whoa. eyes. Um, Sometimes I'll get a few of those of like cosplayers on my TikTok, and I'm like, Jesus, that's scary. Yeah, I was not expecting that when I'm laying in bed at three a.m. I actually saw this is sidetracking, but I actually saw on one of these um, articles that I was reading that this person who had traveled there said that like these masks are really common in Italy, and you can buy them for like thirty euros at a store as like a souvenir. Thank God I didn't see any of those. Yeah. Um, But while doing so and getting what he deserved, this doctor was haunted by the previous 100,000 plus plague ghosts. Good. Good for them. Climbing to the clock tower one night, the doctor stared out over the water and fell to his almost death, fell or pushed. Oh. As the legend goes, he survived the fall until a white mist of screams started to surround his body after the landing, killing him off for good. Oh my god. And that white mist is said to be the plague spirits from years before. Pissed <sighs> off already, then spent their afterlife watching the doctor mistreat other people. The spirits lured him out to the clock tower, pushed him off, and then stood at the bottom, making sure that the deed was truly done. When the asylum closed in the 60s, work crews started digging the foundation for a new museum when they came across a grave pit filled with more than 1,500 plague victims. But this is when they discovered something terribly creepy. A vampire. (gasps) By that... By saying a vampire, what we mean is someone who was thought to have been a vampire back in the 16th century. This particular remains had a brick wedged in between their jaw. Back then, bricks between teeth were believed to starve a vampire. And vampires back then were much different than how they are portrayed in our pop culture. In the 16th century, vampires were people who were caught shroud-eating and shrouds are the cloth that is laid over a body put to rest, usually their face. So vampires were a bit cannibalistic as they would eat the blood out of dead bodies. Basically, they'd eat the faces. Oh my god. Um, a MSNBS article explained this so-called vampire's discovery. During epidemic, I'm reading it straight from the article. During epidemics, mass graves were often reopened to bury fresh corpses and diggers would chance upon older bodies that were bloated with blood seeping out of their mouth and with an unexplicable hole in the shrewd used to cover their face. Oh my God. And this is years after these bodies should have decomposed. Oh my God. These characteristics are all tied to the decomposition of bodies, Bjorni said, but they saw a fat, dead person full of blood with a hole in the shrewd, a brick in their mouth. So they said, this guy is alive. 
he's drinking the blood of the other people. Oh my god. At that time, however, what passed for scientific texts taught that shrewd, shroud, however you say it, eaters were vampires who fed on the cloth and cast a spell that would spread the plague in order to increase their ranks. So to kill the undead creatures, the stake in the heart method that's really popular today was just not enough, and a stone or brick had to be forced into the vampire's mouth so that it would starve to death, he said. So basically... They're digging up this grave for a museum. Like, they're trying to structuralize this museum. And they find a body full of bloat. Ooh. Hundreds of years later. With I mean, a how is that even possible? his mouth. It was supposed to be burned to death. I have no idea. That's insane. I wonder what the, like, actual, like, science behind that is. Yeah, I'm sure there is. There's got to be something Bacteria on it. Bacteria or something living right. in there or something. Yeah. Right. So besides the human ash soil, the vampire remains, hundreds of thousands of unrested spirits, the island is very beautiful. It is not your typical abandoned building covered in graffiti, rather covered in graffiti by nature. The island has been left absolutely untouched, filled with vegetation and almost jungle-like vibes. They say the areas that are jungle-like are the mass graves being covered by nature itself. But you would never be able to see this beautiful yet eerie island because even locals don't mess with it. As a matter of fact, no boats from the main canal will take you there. And the Italian Tourism Board prohibits visiting the island and it requires a lengthy application process where you must obtain approval. Oh my god. But even then, the canal taxis fear repercussions by authorities and are unlikely to accept your request to travel to the island for even the largest amount of money. But our beloved ghost adventure gang has made their way there. And this is when they stranded themselves for 24 hours on the island of Poveglia. Their experience was their typical show. Mysterious bangs, footsteps, disembodied voices, strange orbs, as well as off-the-charts ghost monitors, weird energy, unexplainable equipment malfunctions, and apparitions. Whether or not their claims have any validity. How do you say that word? Validity is validity. right. Validity. Validity. <laughs> I have no doubt in my mind that this island is full of spirits and angry spirits at that. Locals often hear the bell ring from across the canal when no one is on the island to ring the bell tower. And not to mention, the bell is no longer in the tower. Oh. Yeah. <gasps> They also say that if you ever make it to the island, you hear piercing screams. Ooh. And not just by one person, but coming from every different direction. And people on passing gondolas have also heard these screams. And those who have made it there say that it is full of evil and that there's a good chance it'll fuck with you for the rest of your life. I want to tell you guys a short story about a group of deployed U.S. Army members who made their way to Paveglia while being stationed in Vincenza, Italy. Probably butchered that too. Oh, I, that's where um, Is that Zach how you was. say it? Yeah, Vin, yeah, well. Vincenza? No, I can't say it, but yes. That's where Zach was. Interesting. And Arletta went over there and saw him, yeah. Arletta, why did you miss this opportunity to go to the island? <laughs> Wait, Zach, were you? Zach, are you? Are you with this group? Are you with the army group? Because he's in the army. Anyway, um, <laughs> this was posted to themagiccafe.com on April 18th, 2014. And you don't really have a username, but he made his username for the post, Poveglia. So the first half of the story is about their trip to Venice from where they were stationed. So I'm going to kind of bypass all of that and skip to the part where they visited the island or right before they visited the island. So it says... While we were at dinner, I started discussing Poveglia, and everyone got hyped up about it, and they all wanted to travel out there right away. Being the investigative person I am, I decided to interview a few of the Venice locals and see what they could tell me about the island. I quickly found out that Italians and Americans approach the paranormal in very different manners. If an American neighborhood has a haunted house, every teenager and every adult will head out there at some point or another for a few cheap thrills not the Italians. If a place is haunted, they stay away. The Venice government even went so far as to make the island forbidden, and no one is allowed out there. The Italian police even patrol the island during the day, but the second nightfall hits, they leave, and for good reason. 
Paveglia is no haunted house. It is a dark, evil place where hundreds of thousands of people were tortured, maimed, and killed in unimaginably horrible ways. After attempting to interview several locals, I found barely anyone who would talk about it and most simply said, stay away. I interviewed our hotel manager at the front desk. Excuse me, I said to him. My friends all stood nearby. The manager quickly turned towards us and put on his typical salesman smile. How can I help you? He replied in a thick Italian accent. I was wondering if you could tell us anything about the island of Paveglia. His expression immediately changed to a scared look. The hotel maintenance man who was working nearby abruptly looked up and walked away in an almost frightened manner. There's plenty of nice things to see in Venice, the manager said, trying to compose himself. He nervously pulled out a map of Venice and started pointing out majestic churches for us to visit. I interrupted him while he was telling me the history of one of the local churches. We have seen all of that already, I replied. We want to go out to Paveglia now. There is nothing out there, he said in a very quick, nervous manner. His smile once again faded and almost angry look appeared on his face. I know that, I said, but you should not ask about these things, he interrupted. He then stormed out of the room in a nervous and upset manner. I looked at my friends and they all looked shocked as well. That reaction was weird, I thought to myself. We exited the hotel and approached several taxi boat drivers who refused to take us out there. After about an hour of people refusing to take us there, we had almost given up hope, but I wasn't about to give up. I approached the sleaziest taxi driver I could find and asked him to take us out there. Fortunately, this taxi driver was Russian and obviously had no knowledge of the local lore or superstition. He's like, hell yeah, hop in the car. Yeah. <laughs> he agreed to take us out there and back for only 100 euros. We excitedly reached into our pockets and chipped in for the cost. Spore ran over to a local store and picked up a bottle of wine for the trip out there. We then excitedly entered the cab, popped open the vino, and were off. After about half an hour in the boat, the sky turned from a midnight blue to black. Nightfall had come, and we were so excited about getting the cab driver to take us that we had not realized how late it was. Then I stood up in the boat and pointed in the horizon, and there it stood. In the distance, in the dark island full of trees could be seen. Poking up above the tree line, we could see the silhouette of the insane asylum's clock tower, where the mad doctor was pushed to his death by unseen hands. As we approached the dreaded island, all of us stood there in silence. The eerie silhouettes of the building stood before us in the distance. A chill crept down everyone's spine who stood there looking at this place, and the silence was broken by my buddy's voice. Dude, my cell phone just turned off. And he wasn't lying. As soon as we got closer to the island, all of our cell phones turned off. And I'm not talking about having no reception. I'm honestly saying that everyone's phone was off and would not turn back on. It was like we passed through an invisible energy field because all the phones turned off at the exact same time. Oh. By this time, we were almost upon the island. As we pulled into the narrow inlet, we noticed some a small set of stairs that we could use to dock at and walk up to the island. The boat driver pulled up slowly to the staircase and shut off the boat's motor. Now I must say, I've had had some very scary experiences in my life, and I have been to some very bone-chilling haunted places, but Paveglia Island definitely had an evil feel to it. Typically, when you go to a haunted house, cemetery, etc., you get that feeling that someone or something is watching you and it feels generally uncomfortable. Paveglia had more of a, we need to get the hell out of here right now feel to it. Right. But since we were so determined to check this place out, we put all those feelings aside and jumped off the island to explore. By this time, our boat driver, who reminds us, who remind you, has no knowledge or experience with this place, was freaking out beyond control. He kept yelling, hurry, we leave soon, okay, towards us. As if being on an incredibly haunted island in the middle of nowhere isn't enough, we had to now also worry about this guy taking off on us suddenly and leaving us stranded. Yeah, dear God. Remember, none of our cell phones can even turn on at this point, so I suggested to the rest of the party that one or all of us stay close to the boat in case this guy tries to leave. The island was very black. The only light source was the full moon and the occasional flash of one of us snapping pictures. Three of us had cameras and we were snapping away. The island was eerie silent. No birds, no crickets, no animals, nothing. It was almost surreal. The boat driver had a floodlight on the front of his boat that he was frantically shining over all of the buildings. You could tell he was extremely scared. He walked up to the doorway of the main building and took a few pictures. The flash illuminated a huge room that had debris all over the floors. We wandered around the front of the building, snapping pictures like tourists for about 10 minutes. Somebody suggested that we go inside the building, but the doors and windows had what looked like a clock-down mechanism on them, so we 
sorry, a lockdown mechanism on them, so we decided against it. We continued taking pictures of the buildings in the ominous bell tower. The most terrifying scream we have ever heard in my life pierced through the silence like a knife. All of us stopped dead in our tracks. It took us a second to comprehend what we had just heard, and we all looked at each other stunned. Before we could even talk about what we had just heard, the entire island erupted in screams. <gasps> our boat driver was freaking out beyond control, yeah, and we all frantically jumped on board the boat. The driver could not get the boat started right away, and we were all freaking out. Finally, the engine started, and we quickly pulled away from the island. The screams were still continuing. It sounded like they were all around us. Then, as we were pulling away from the island, the bell started tolling in the distance. This freaked us out even more because the bell is no longer in the tower. It was removed after the island closed down. Once we got away from the island, mysteriously, all of our phones turned back on. We excitedly talked among ourselves on the boat ride home about what had just happened. The second we got back to our homes, we rushed to get our photographs developed and to tell everyone our story. After we left the island, some of the people we went with were still having weird things happen to them while they were at home, like something had followed us back. Some of them just felt uneasy all the time, and some were having insane nightmares, and others kept reporting hearing dripping noises in their houses. But when investigated, there were no drips or leaks anywhere. And this happened to more than one person in more than one house on the same night. Overall, I think Poveglia goes beyond the realms of haunted, and there is true evil on that island. Too bad we were only there for about 20 minutes. I would definitely love to go back, but a bit more prepared next time. So, I find this story, and crazy story, but after I find this story, I'm going through Reddit, and I find just the absolute craziest story, and I'm not going to read it, but I want to tell you guys a little bit about it. Basically, this woman said that, like, her and her friends went there, and on their way there, you know, they're um, on their senior trip, and as an old-fashioned senior trip goes, how we all know, everyone gets into a fight. Exactly. And um, the guy that they had paid to take them over on the ferry was like, I can't have people fighting on my gondola. Like, you'll draw too much police attention. I'm not going to jail for taking you to this island. Right. So he said, I'm sending a friend to come get you. So he left them there and this girl basically said that like she saw these people and like these you know these plague masks these doctors in these plague masks and just screams all around them and that she was strapped down to a table and like the whole entire time I was reading it I was literally thinking to myself that there's no way that this was real like she just has to be you know a writer like right. this just has to be a story but everyone like this guy here, like he said, like screams were surrounding the island, and like oh my god. So I wonder um, if there is something just absolutely n- not human that is on that island, and that's why it's so protected. Right. That's why it's patrolled by police. I mean, that's literally. why. Yeah. So I don't like. I don't just don't know why the government, you know, is so forcibly forbidding anyone to enter the island because something. It's all about money. And that is a money maker for people. Yes. Like us, specifically. So I just think it's very sus, if you ask me. And that, you guys, is the story of Poveglia Island off of Venice, Italy. I love it. (laughs) I loved, loved, loved it. I'm scared to death. I keep thinking I'm hearing stuff now. Right. I just could never... First off, in a foreign country where there's like... You know, foreign jail time being threatened. Yeah, the fact that these Americans are Did it. are going there, like y'all are ballsy as hell. Yeah, y'all are ballsy because no one's coming after us. Mm-mm. We're just gonna be serving jail time over there, right? I would have, I would been like, I was there. I would be calling the police. Well, <laughs> their too. phones don't work, but I would oh, be yeah. like calling police, being like, someone come get me. I'm well, on the island. I surrender. I wonder why, though. I wonder why. Like, like, I just wonder if maybe that girl story that I read that was so freaking crazy did happen to her. Because she was like, no one ever believes me. Like, it doesn't sound like... You know how people write creepy stories just as entertainment. Right. And like, like creepypastas. That's how creepypastas are started. Yeah, and it just, like, it didn't sound like that because, like, she was, like in detail but that's what they do they put it in detail like that and like she was answering people's questions like when people were commenting on her thread and saying like 
I don't understand. Why didn't you leave that first night? Because they got stuck there two nights. Oh, God. And she was like, the boat never came back for us. And like, I would have literally been like, get in the water. Yeah. And we're she going. Was like, and it was so hard because she was one of the girls that got into the big fight. And so her friends weren't really talking to her. <laughs> so she is having like these insane experiences then she like goes back to them after the first day and they're like what they're like what the hell yeah and then the second night i think they are one of them in that other group experienced almost the same thing and like she she had woken up that morning inside the building when they all camped out outside oh my god she woke up inside the building with her full with her clothes folded on like this old abandoned you know old rustic looking chair in the corner (sighs) And, like, she remembers, she's like, I don't know if it's a dream or, like, what happened. I just remember these doctors, like, trying to work on me throughout the night. So, I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's true or if Do it's they she's... turn off, like, service there? Are they sending, like, bad doctors, like, prison, printer, Or is it, are they still sending people, like, with plagues and stuff there? I don't and know. And everybody's going there and, like, exposing themselves to... Plagues. Or it's like a cult of like crazy people. Ooh, that's an even better one. Love that. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. The island's creepy though. I'd probably never go. And that is all I have. So Taylor, are you ready to get started? Yes. But before we do get started with my story, even though we still talked for 10 minutes in the beginning, we forgot to mention that we released our new trailer. So go and check that out. You can also download that just to give us a little extra, extra. A little extra, extra. You know what we're talking about. But you guys will hopefully see that trailer on a couple other podcasts. Right. Um, And then we'll probably be swapping trailers and you'll hear some other. Of our really good friends that, you know, we've been in communication with since we started the podcast. Right. We just finally got around to doing a trailer. Right. Either in the beginning of an episode or right here in the middle when we switch stories. Something like that. Just to... You know, get their name out there while right. getting our name out there as well on there. So, so that's not, But the reason why we did it is because we went back and listened. So that's not the primary reason why we did it. But me and Morgan are sitting here one night when we were, you know, planning out some stuff for season two. And uh, I'm like, you know, the girls that were sitting in that studio on October of 2020, they would literally... Like, shit their pants. They would shit their pants if they knew where we were. Like, they would freak out. They would be so, like, I can't believe it, you know? And, like, right now we're like, it's not good enough. <laughs> you know? Like, it's crazy. Right. So, like, we were like, you know, let's go reminisce on those girls. Let's let's play episode, episode one. one. Guys. I'm like, no, please don't. Please Jesus. Don't. Cheese and crust. I literally don't know why the fuck y'all stayed here. Like... <laughs> Like, thank you. <laughs> yeah, we're like, we need to hide them. Can you archive? I mean, episodes? no, we cannot archive, but I'm, I was <laughs> delete, just like, delete, delete. we didn't tell them anything about us. We were just like, we have stories for you. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm turds. Taylor and I'm Morgan. We went to college together and hope you guys like us. <laughs> and we're nervous. Okay, bye. This is deja vu and this is a murder. Literally, our first episode says, all right, should we just get started? And then and we say, like, let's get creepy creepy i'm like ma'am yeah so if you ever recommend us to someone please tell them to start us at our latest episode most recent recent episode and work their way backwards or find topics that they find interesting and listen to them because please do not go in numerical order it is not important it is not (laughs) necessary and please just bypass one through ten thank you thank you so much and uh Please and thank you. Have a great day. Many blessings. All right. (laughs) All right. Let's get started with my story. What do you got for us? Today, I have some really interesting, something really interesting. So I'm just going to dive right into it. Uh, Today, I'm covering the case of Morgan Dana Harrington. I thought you were about to say Harris. No, no. Then I would have freaked out. Oh, that's your future name. Well, not Dana. Dana, Renee. Yeah, Rianne. Rianne. Marley is Renee. Everyone right. calls me Renee because I don't even know what Rianne stems from. <laughs> Mom, what were you thinking? She's going to... She's like, I'm going to take Renee and just... Rianne. Scramble the words. Rianne. <laughs> so my sources today are Wikipedia, and that's why we drink podcasts, Disappeared Blog, Charlottesville Weekly Newspaper, The Hook, CBS News, NBC Washington News, Unsolved Mystery, Wikipedia... 
um, NBC, 12, CNN, The Washington Post, and 48 Hours. Let's just dive right into it. Let's do it. Morgan Dana Harrington was a 20-year-old Virginia Tech student who was originally from Charlottesville, Virginia. On October 17th, 2019, she and her three best friends had tickets to a Metallica concert at the University of Virginia in her hometown of Charlottesville, which is only about a two hour and 15 minute drive on I-81. So they were super excited about this concert. They hopped in the car and they shot down there. When they got to the concert, they got to their seats and got settled. And during the opening performance, Morgan, just like anybody, tells her friends, like, I got to go pee. Uh, I'm going to go before Metallica's set starts. So I'll be right back. And Don't need like, anything? Exactly. Yeah. I'll be right back. They're like, okay, see you in a sec. Well, the opening acts finish up and Morgan has still not come back to her seat. So her friends are like, okay, what happened? Did she fall in the toilet? Do we need to go like check on her? Exactly. And they call her cell phone. Well, Morgan answers and she explains that she had to go outside of the gates to find a restroom for some reason. And the John Paul Jones arena on the university of Virginia's campus is where this was. And they were refusing to let her reenter. And she was, they were like, your tickets already been scanned. You can't come back in. So she's like, Hey, listen to her friends. Don't worry about it. I'm just going to get a ride you know, back to the house and I'll see you guys after. So I don't know if the house refers to her parents' house or if she was trying to get a ride all the way back to Virginia Tech. But what I do know is that she did have plans with her parents the next day. So I'm assuming she was getting back to her family home. Right, yeah. So that call took place at 8.48 p.m. And that was the last time Morgan would ever speak to her friends. The next day, October 18th, Morgan's parents were waiting for her to come over for a planned study session with her father for an upcoming math exam. When she never showed or answered any of their phone calls, they called her friend who explained what had happened, and they just assumed that she had gone to their house after leaving the concert. In a complete panic, her parents contacted the authorities and reported their daughter missing. Obviously, police did what they do and explained that to the worried parents that Morgan is 20 years old. You know, she told her parents, our friends that she was okay. She was just going to go somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, and she probably just wanted to be alone or maybe went home with someone and didn't want to get caught shacking or maybe her phone died and that she would turn up basically. But all that changed when police received a call that turned this report from a possible runaway to a full on missing person in danger case. Though police were playing the waiting game, Morgan's parents were not. They had family and friends along with missing child groups from Texas already on the job. They were posting all over, letting people know that their daughter was missing and that she needed to be found. When searching around the campus for any clues, searchers were walking through the Lanigan Athletic Field Overflow parking lot when they discovered Morgan's purse with her ID, credit cards, cash, and her phone inside but her phone battery had been removed. Police hop on this search effort and they release Morgan's photo to the public through all media outlets asking for any information about her last whereabouts. Not even an hour after this was released, a tip comes in. This tip explained that at around 9.30 p.m., multiple witnesses reported seeing a woman matching Morgan's description hitchhiking on Copley road bridge and two other witnesses came forward claiming that they saw morgan morgan walking with three men outside of the arena so i hopped on google maps and i found that john paul jones arena was about a two minute drive 10 minute walk from this bridge and to get there she would have had to lock walk around along this road or gone through these parking lots that are surrounded by stadiums athletic fields arenas like basically the side of UT's campus that yeah. is all the sports stuff, you know? Yeah. So she would be walking along a road that was filled with lights. And I mean, it's, it's not desolate and it's a part of the campus. So as we know, campus roads are typically very well lit, especially around parking lots and stadiums just to cover their own asses basically. Right. So this bridge starts right at the entrance of Lanigan 
athletic field parking lot, which is where her purse was found. So to make this easier, I have a map with all these locations on it because I know it's kind of hard to explain and put into words. So I'm going to add this on to our uh, carousel for episode 46, but I want to show Morgan right now so that she can help me to explain it to you. Okay, Morgan. So here it is. Basically, you can see here on this map, um, right over here is the John Paul Jones Arena. This is Copley Road where she was walking and you'd have to go through this west lot which was obviously full from Metallica concert. Right, right here is a little behind, kind of like behind the stadium uh, lot for the Lanigan Field. And right here is the bridge that she would have to walk over. So at 9.30, she was seen over here walking. So in my opinion, she would be walking towards the bridge the entire time and would have had to backtrack to get back to the Lanigan Field overflow, overflow parking yeah. lot. So Yeah, but even then, we know that any parking lot side street on a campus during a concert is packed. It's packed out, and it's completely lit up with security people or yeah. lot workers. Right. We know that really well because they won't even let you park for class. Right. <laughs> right. So you got to fight them. <laughs> you literally have to fight those people. And they're always like pretty much aware of what's going on. They sit right. there. They're paid to sit there all day long. Yeah. So I'm going to post, like I said, I'm going to post this for you guys. And after this find of her purse, investigators and searchers really hit a wall with nothing more that was discovered to help lead them to Morgan. According to the CBS News article that was released on November 9th, 2009, Morgan's parents refused to give up hope on finding their daughter and worked super hard to get her name and photo everywhere. Crime Stoppers posted a reward for any information leading to Morgan's recovery, and her parents added a $100,000 reward of their own money and they just said, we just want our daughter back. Shortly after this, it was released in the news that Metallica donated $50,000 to the reward fund and asked that all of their friend, fans and friends who attended the concert ha that had any information would come forward because one of their own was missing. Even still, the case was cold. Until three months later, on January 26, 2010, a man was driving his tractor through a hayfield on his 700-acre farm that is approximately 10 minutes away from the arena where Morgan was last seen, when he discovers the skeletal remains of a woman in the backfield about a mile and a half away from any road access. Investigators confirmed later that day that it, after using dental records to compare, they were able to positively confirm that it was indeed the remains of 20-year-old Morgan Dana Harrington. Police did not release her cause of death to the public, but they did announce that the Richmond Medical Examiner ruled that Morgan's death was indeed a homicide. Her parents were later told that it was a very violent act of crimes against her, oh and gosh. many, many bones were broken. Although I could not find her official autopsy report because it was not released to the public, and it was like, you can request and hear back in 10 days from the Virginia Medical Examiners, and I was like, yep. I don't have time for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in the disappeared blog article, it showed that multiple fractures, including an incise, it's I-N-C-I-S-E. Do you know what that means or how to pronounce that? Incise. Incise fracture um, was on her skull, which basically means that the fracture was caused by sharp force trauma. So a sharp object was used at blunt force um, to kill her. And it was later confirmed by her father that she had been sexually assaulted. In April of 2010, investigators finally released new information to the public. Invest investigators explained that in November of 2009, a Panera Bread shirt was discovered outside of an apartment building that was a mile and a half away from the arena, and it matched the shirt that Morgan was last seen wearing. After extensive forensic testing, investigators were able to officially confirm that it was indeed Morgan shirt, but it was not released to the public at the time that what was on the shirt. Forensic analysis found a dog hair and foreign DNA that belonged to a male. 
According to the NBC Washington article from 2016, the dog hair that was found on the shirt contained mitochondrial DNA haplotype that only occurs in 13.3% of dogs in the United States. The male foreign DNA that was found on the shirt matched the DNA found on Morgan's remains. So we knew that... Whoever has this dog. Right. Whoever has this dog is her killer. And it was also a match that linked Morgan's case to an open investigation from Fairfax that took place four years earlier. As reported in an NBC, sorry, it was like a lot of N's and A's in one sentence. Um, As reported in an NBC News article um, from June of 2010, in September of 2005, a 26-year-old woman was walking home from the grocery store on Rock Garden Drive when she was grabbed from behind and carried to a park. There, she was physically and sexually assaulted by this man, and when she got away, she went straight to the police where they were able to get his DNA off of her and a good enough description to create a sketch. However, this case still remained open. And this was their first connection. Once police were able to establish this link, they combed through all the surveillance videos from the areas where Morgan Harrington was last seen. Though nothing substantial was found, police were able to use this sketch and age at five years, requesting help from the public to identify this man. And a huge media campaign ensued, led by Crime Stoppers paired with Metallica, as they pushed everyone that had any information to come forward and help them find Morgan's murderer. Panic ensues and takes over this college town as people feared that there was a serial killer on the loose. And tips have been pouring in and pouring in over the years, but as the years went by... Nothing got police any closer to finding their murderer. When in September of 2014, five years later, a second-year University of Virginia student goes missing. In the early mornings of September 13th, British-American 18-year-old Hannah Ellis Graham and her friends had been at a party when Hannah's friends received a text from her at 1.06 a.m. According to the CBS News article from 2016, she says to her friends, I'm trying to get to a party. I am lost, though. And that was the last she was ever heard from. Now, this is the case of Hannah Elizabeth Graham. So now you have a twofer. A twofer. Technically a threefer. Um, Hannah was reported missing that afternoon, and police were already fearing the worst. They immediately released her photo and asked the public for help trying to figure out where she was last seen at. Tips and sightings begin pouring in, and investigators are able to quickly obtain and carefully sift through all of the CCTV footage in the surrounding areas where she was last known to be, and they spot her on the cameras. From the CCTV footage that was released by the CBS News 48 Hours, at 12.45 a.m., she's seen walking outside of McGrady's Irish Pub, visibly intoxicated, like she like trips over the, she like trips over the thing and like kind yeah. of falls over into a gate and then pulls herself back up. Mm-hmm. And she's wearing like black pants that aren't, they're like kind of low-waisted and she's got on a crop top. And she was 5'11", absolutely gorgeous, like an athletic fit built girl, like, so she's outside walking and she's got on these clothes and this is how they're citing her. They're like, okay, we're looking for like low cropped pants and a crop top. So then she's seen again at 12.55 a.m. and she's running along the road outside of a Shell gas station. I'm just, I'm literally picturing the strip right now. Yes, literally. That's literally what it, this like looks if like. I were, they call it their mall. If I were to ever go missing out in the fort, no one's going to find no you. No one's going to find you no in the fort. No one's going to see you. Exactly. So at 1.06 a.m., she is spotted walking outside of Sal's Cafe Italia, which is like this pizza joint there, which is reminding me of, um, what's my favorite one downtown in Old City? Da Vinci's? Da Vinci's oh, Pizza? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, it literally looks Why like that. Why am I like Stefano's? <laughs> no, that's on the strip. I'm talking about old city girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and this time she looks as if she's being followed. So now she's picked up this person that's walking a few yards behind her. And she like walks around the outside area of this pizzeria. And the guy makes a sharp U-turn at the same time that she does and begins following her. 
At 1.08 a.m., she's seen walking along the side of the road outside of a tool jeweler. And he is seen walking alongside of her with his arm around her. So I'm actually going to stop right here and show Morgan all of the CCTV footage. It takes about like two minutes and we'll be right back. I love when there's footage. Okay. Okay, Morgan. That was eerie to say the least. It's just, it's crazy because you're literally watching her last steps. Like, and this was, I mean, if they're doing this search literally hours after she was there like eight hours before this is happening. She was like right there. She's right. And we're looking at her. Right. And anybody that would have saw that would have been like, oh, they're a couple or exactly. oh, they're friends. Right. Um, you know, that probably wouldn't have raised any red flags. Exactly. So within six days of her disappearance, search crews are sent out all over the surrounding areas just looking for any clues that would lead them to Hannah. So who is this man in the footage? The man seen in the footage was Jesse Leroy Matthew Jr., also known as LJ. He was a former cab driver in the area, and he was also really well known for being accused of two sep- on two separate occasions for sexual assault at two separate Virginia universities where he was playing football. Mm. He was wrestling and playing football at CNU when he got his first allegation and he left and then again at liberty university after each instance he would leave immediately and he would switch universities and never get charged the last place that the two were spotted was outside of tempo restaurant and this is like a restaurant during the day and like a 21 and up bar at the end and it's got like an outside area yeah and outside of this witnesses claimed that they saw hannah and the guy and they had came in together and his name's jesse sorry i couldn't think of his name uh, they saw hannah and jesse and they came in together and got a drink but she's 20 so then tempo's kind of like being weird about the footage that they're giving because they're basically signing themselves up to right. have to get legal action done because they served a minor right um but they're being kind of weird about it when witnesses come forward and they're like no we were there we saw it we thought it was weird because the last thing they heard her say was i'm not getting in that car with you the car was an orange 1998 chrysler after identifying jesse matthew uh, investigators get a sinking feeling that when they think back to all of the tips that were sent in during morgan harrington's investigation One of the last known sightings of Morgan was from a woman who had gotten out of a cab at the Lanigan Field, and she noticed her standing a few yards away. She commented to her friend, saying, I like that girl's Panera Bread t-shirt, and kept walking. Investigators decided to waste no time, and they get a warrant to search Jesse Matthews' apartment. In the search, investigators are seen removing items of clothing from the apartment, but they refuse to elaborate on it to the media. Investigators were running forensics on the clothing, and it was announced on September 21st, 2014, that just days after her disappearance, they had a major break in the case. According to the CNN article that was released that day, investigators were offering a 50 thousand dollar reward for any information on hannah's disappearance or jesse matthew's whereabouts and he was officially declared in this press conference as a person of interest in the case on september 23rd jesse matthew jr was publicly charged with the abduction and intent to defile and there was a warrant sent out for his arrest the next day on september 24th the fbi announced that jesse matthew was arrested in galveston texas after being spotted by a woman on the beach and she called the hotline to report him amen right that's right girl so on september 27th the nbc washington news article released that police announced that they had found forensics evidence that had officially linked jesse matthew to hannah graham's case From the clothing obtained in the search of Jesse Matthews' apartment, they found a pair of shorts that had Hannah's DNA and Jesse's DNA on them. And Jesse's DNA was a perfect match to the case in 2005 sexual assault from Fairfax and the foreign male DNA that was found on Morgan's shirt. Not to mention that he had the dog that matched the 13.3% 
of dog's DNA. And what, what kind of dog was it? So I couldn't figure out what exact breed of dog he was. So if you want to get on there and do some deep digging, go ahead, um, because I would love to know. Me too, But yeah. according to the Washington Post article, his name was Popcorn. So I would love to know what popcorn looks like. Me too. (laughs) A few weeks later, on October 18th, human remains were discovered on an abandoned property a few miles away from the University of Virginia's campus by the Chesterfield County Sheriff's Department's search crew. And on October 24th, it was officially confirmed that the remains were, in fact, 18-year-old Hannah Graham. The Washington Post reported in an article on November 18th that Hannah's cause of death was being withheld from the public at the time, but later that day, the Albemarle uh, County Police Department released that Hannah died because of a homicide. It was just her exact cause of death was unable to be determined at the time. And I know I probably butchered that police department name. Uh, I've been dreading saying it this entire story. (laughs) A year later, on October 5th, 2015, 33-year-old Jesse Matthew was officially charged with first-degree murder and abduction with the intent to defile in the murder of Morgan Harrington, which led, which he pled guilty to on February 29th, 2016. And on March 2nd, 2016, Jesse pled guilty to the abduction and murder of Hannah Graham in which he received four consecutive life sentences for the murders of both Morgan and Hannah, and he waived his right to appeal at any time. He was also charged with the attempted murder and um, object sexual penetration with an abduction charge with the intent to defile in the 2005 abduction and sexual assault case from Fairfax. And on May 21st, 2019, it was reported that Jesse Matthew was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer, and he was transferred from from Red Onion State Prison in Wise County, Virginia to the state prison in Waverly, California. I think I meant to put Virginia and not CA. I meant, I probably meant to put VA, not CA. Um, They're right beside each other on the keyboard and I got long nails uh, for cancer treatment. And there's no word on how he is doing, nor do I give a flying fuck. Um, Right. I hope you sit there and fucking rot, you piece of shit. But That's insane. That is the case of Morgan Harrington and Hannah Graham. So while we're here, you college girls that are out. Guys, rushing is happening right now. You guys are coming back on campus. We have to talk. And we've been there. And there's been so many times where I did walk back by myself by myself right 15 drinks in and that is not okay and you do not, not drink from the hunch punch i know you want to yeah it's just and i i know i have it but i would i i'm so thankful that now looking back that we were safe because there it's Going to college is like being blindfolded and walking down a tightrope and you can fall at any time. Yeah. And you just got to be careful and you've got to watch out for your people. Oh my gosh. Just Uber. Don't Uber by yourself. Like there's so many things you need to be careful. You cannot, you're, it's the whole, it's not, it wouldn't happen to me. Yes, it will. Yes. Yes, it can. It can. It will. It has. If you guys don't already, there's plenty of apps that you can download. Like the Guardian app was one that was really big when we were in college. Yeah, make sure you have some type of, you know, self-protection. A loud spray, a loud screaming thing. Screaming thing, this birdie that my mom has. Exactly. A a birdie, a... Don't walk around with your AirPods plugged in. No. And look, I know, I know you're like, they're being crazy, blah, blah, blah. I said the same thing. Actually, I didn't because I've always been super scared that I was going to be abducted. But there were times that when I'm intoxicated, I'm pissed off and I'm walking home. I have walked my ass all over this place to University Walk by myself. Yes. Tripping over my own feet, pulling up into my living room with Taylor Madison and our other roommate looking at me like, how the F did you just get here? How did you, why didn't you call us? And I'm Guys, like, just call somebody. I'm good, I don't need a call. No, you're not fucking good. You're not good. So, 
Especially at the University of Tennessee, the fort is a scary place. There's no CCTV footage to keep you safe, okay? So, if you go to UT, then you need to be freaking careful. If you go to UT and something is going on and you don't have a ride, DM us on Instagram. Yeah. We'll get our asses up and we'll come find you. We've done it. We've had littles. We've been in sororities. We have had friends that we've made in classes that randomly couldn't get home at night. And guess who they called? One of us. Yeah. So watch your back, girls. Be careful. And guys, that goes for you, too. Yeah, You're not absolutely. safe, too. Smiley face killer totally Does went exist. in on y'all. So Especially those at Pitt up there are... Duquesne University. Right. Y'all be safe. Y'all be safe out by that river. Share your locations with your roommates, even if they're crazy and you don't want them to know where you're at. If you're going out, share your locations with, with your them. parents. Um, buy yourself a freaking Apple tag, air tag, yes. because put that in your bra and someone takes your phone. Guess what? You're still air tag, bitch, and that has a year long battery. I Apple forget how cool that is. <laughs> put Apple, it in your bra. Give us a call. Put it in your thong. Put it somewhere. Put it up in there. Put it up in there and they'll never find it. No. And guess what? You got a tracker on you. Yeah. Tracking the, the cooch. Yeah. Okay. Tra- track the cooch, ladies. Track the cooch. And on that note, <laughs> happy, happy schooling. And on that note, um, we know that we normally leave you guys hanging each week with, you know, make everything a surprise for you guys to hear. And that's why we leave you hints so we can, you know, build up the morale for every Thursday. Yeah. But we wanted to go ahead and let you know that this next week we are going to be covering a back to school special. Oh, we're going to hit the legends, the conspiracies, the true crime, the ghosts that surround your favorite colleges so if you guys have any story suggestions from your colleges please send them in and anything that helps to keep new college students safe any apps that you've used in your time um hotlines anything that you can think of please send it in because this is our back to school special on how to say stay safe stay creepy and stay the hell away from crimes (laughs) stay the hell away from crime yes (laughs) all right all right That is all. Thank you guys for tuning in. Follow us on You Know What. Leave a rate. Leave a review. Pull us from the effing cloud. Pull us from the effing cloud. And we will see you next week on our back to school special.